and I experienced a bolt of lightning. All of a sudden, I could feel something that I'd never known before in my entire life coursing through my body. And I realized there was something so much bigger than me, and it had touched me. And from that day forward, I never had another moment of doubt about God. I doubted me, I doubted my beliefs, my values, I doubted the church, but I never doubted that God existed. Welcome to the My Story Podcast. When I lived in Flint, I saw Mike Wilson everywhere. Unmistakable his burly physique, warm, quirky persona, and of course his signature, his curled hipster mustache. I sighted him everywhere. Around town, at mass at different parishes, at seemingly every event, Mike was there. When Mike heard about this podcast, he reached out to me. So here he is, telling his story. I would have to say that I had an absolutely idyllic childhood because it was the 80s. Everything was awesome. There was G.I. Joe and Ronald Reagan, and there were very clearly defined good guys and bad guys. Um, I grew up in a community where almost all families were intact. Divorce was unknown until at least middle school. So in the summer, what we would do is we would get up in the morning, we'd go to the pool for swim lessons. And then after swim lessons, we'd have swim team practice. Then we'd get out, we'd have lunch, and then we'd just spend the rest of the day either playing in the pool or throwing our towels on and then running around the woods in our swimsuits. I, I was raised Catholic, but I grew up in a religiously divided home. So church was something we did it wasn't a relationship that we had. It was a Sunday obligation. We had to go with no real explanation for why we all had to go and dad didn't. And it, no, it, was, it was an obligation. It was something that you had to do kind of like school, except I really liked school and church was super, super boring. The biggest single moment that I had in my youth was preparing for my confirmation. So I'm in middle school, I'm being told that I need to make this adult decision to believe in God and to embrace the faith. Promises had been made for me when I was baptized, but now I was old enough to reaffirm those promises for myself. And we had a day retreat, and we were allowed to ask any question that we wanted to. And I thought myself, extremely clever. I'd always been very prideful 
in my intellect. So I thought, okay, this is my chance. I can shine. So I wrote my question and I put it into the bucket with all the others. And the priest, bless his trusting heart, he didn't pre screen the questions. He just <laughs> mistake. <laughs> no, no, no. He's he's showing his trust in God. Yeah. And just accepting whatever the Lord decides to put in front of him that day. So he just he pulls these questions out and he just he doesn't read them, he just reads them aloud. And so it comes to my question, and the father's voice cracks as he's reading it. As he reads on this little three by five card, does God exist? And I thought, I, I don't know why I thought this, but I thought this would be hilarious that everyone would laugh, that even though it would be anonymous, it would be this moment of incredible triumph. And as soon as I saw his face and I heard his voice, I realized that without intending to, I'd done one of the cruelest things I'd ever done. But, but Father, bless him. He just, he answered the question as honestly as he could. He said, anyone who asks this question should think seriously about whether they are ready to be confirmed. And so, for the first time in my life, I thought about it. Did I believe in God? I'd always been told that God existed. I'd been told to go to church, but I honestly could not tell you if I believed that God existed. But I'm a, I'm a good kid. I get good grades. Adults love me. I know how to charm them. So I'm supposed to be confirmed. And what you do is you just, you go through the process. You know, I'd, I'd been through the other sacraments. I'd been through first communion. I'd, I'd made my confession. You know, I regularly received the, the Eucharist. Basically, you were just doing everything. So for the people that listening that are not Catholic, so just all the normal steps in different parts that like, the church offers. So what we call the sacraments. So normal kind of initiation as a young person coming into the church. Yeah, and that's precisely how I viewed them, just milestones of growing up. And the next milestone was confirmation. And how could I explain to my mother that I didn't know if God existed? Like, it, it wasn't even a real option. So I just decided to go through it. I didn't know if I believed in God or not. I just went through the motions. And we get to the, we get to the day. And I'm standing there, and lots of confusing things are going on around me. But then the bishop touches me. He gives me just a little gentle slap on the face. And I experienced a bolt of lightning. All of a sudden, I could feel something that I'd never known before in my entire life coursing through my body. Later on, I would read about the apostles and Pentecost and tongues as a fire touching them, and it clicked with me. I knew what that felt like. And I realized there was something so much bigger than me 
and it had touched me. And from that day forward, I never had another moment of doubt about God. I doubted me, I doubted my beliefs, my values, I doubted the church, but I never doubted that God existed. So where did you go from there? Well, from there, I dealt with the very difficult issue that every one of us, our image of God is defined in large measure by our Father. And by that, I'm, I don't mean to blame the man. I'm not trying to condemn him. But when I was in high school, I'd had this experience. I could go to church every Sunday and feel nothing, which was very disillusioning because I knew what it meant. I knew what it felt like to have an encounter with God. And here I was doing what you're supposed to be doing, going to church every Sunday and not having that encounter. So I'm already confused about what to do with this bolt of lightning. And for reasons of his own, my father takes to telling me, there may be a God, and this is a verbatim quote, there may be a God, there may be a supreme being, but it sure as hell isn't the Judeo-Christian God. So I encountered the divine, and yet the man who provided my template for what God the Father should look like was telling me that whatever I'd encountered wasn't what my mother and the church I'd been raised in was telling me it was. I continued to go to church because I was, I was the good kid. And especially as my, sister, my older sister went to college and she fell away, and as my younger brother got into middle school and high school and he didn't get confirmed, I kept going because one of mom's kids had to. It would just, it would be too big a blow for her if no one was still there with her at uh, Christmas and Easter. But I really had no idea where I was supposed to go, how I was supposed to understand the Lord. So I've always been a fan of the Blues Brothers. It's the greatest motion picture ever made. And, Objective fat, oh, fact, a, a, of course. Clearly, yes. clearly. This is, this is not an opinion. This is just, this, this is what it is. I'm sitting there one day and I just, I'm bored. And instead of studying, which would be a profitable use of my time, I decided to take out my pen and draw on my hand. So like Jake and Elwood Blues have these prison tattoos and they've got their names written across their knuckles. So just like Jake, I'd write Mike across my knuckles and I draw this little cross on my hand. And a guy comes in and I, I work in rec sports. So I, I check out gym equipment and a guy just comes in to work out. And he sees this cross on my hand, and so he asks me, if you were to die today, would you go to heaven? And my response to him was, I don't know. Because I had a, an awareness in the, at the moment that I was a sinful person. Sins of pride, sins of lust, sins of just failing to honor God. Were these like persistent like struggles in your life then? It, 
I just viewed it as the way life was. Yeah. They, I didn't view them as particular struggles or particular problems. It's just, this is what life is. Mm-hmm. Everybody sins, everybody falls. So would I go to heaven? I told him I didn't know. He said, I can give you the answer. I can show you a way to be sure. And this man introduced me to Bible study, to knowing the faith. And he led me to a church that was very, very different than the church I'd grown up in. Instead of an organ, music was played on a guitar with a drum set. Instead of everybody in their Sunday best, people were in t-shirts and jeans. And you know, it's just, it's the external trappings, but I, I was repelled by this. It, just, it wasn't my experience of church. But it did increase in me a desire to know the faith. So, so the faith that you had grown up in. Yeah, to, to know, okay, I should be in the church because that feels right, but I don't know anything about the Bible. My classic joke has always been, well, I'm Catholic. What do I know about the Bible? <laughs> Pretty much. So I have access to the University of Michigan, so I take the Bible as literature with Professor Ralph Williams. And I spend four months skimming the Bible. It was the worst decision you can make because I wasn't reading it for faith. I was reading it for an exam. And I'm just, I'm, I'm skimming through it. And I come away from that with a, a very nice Oxford study Bible and no greater sense of faith. So I spend the next decade of my life from you know, my early 20s until my early 30s going to mass more often than not, never touching my annotated study Bible, still persisting in the same sins, progressively feeling more and more that there is something deeply wrong in my life, and not taking any particular action to fix it. Until one day, the course of time, as I became more and more convinced that I was, that something was wrong, either I was just inherently rotten, that I was doing something profoundly wrong. And I'm at mass one Sunday because you're supposed to go. And the words of consecration are said. And Father raises up the host. And all of a sudden, this thing that I'd seen thousands of times, I'm I'm almost the same age that the Lord was when he went to his cross. So I'd spent his whole lifetime watching this and never seeing it. And all of a sudden, one day, in a sensation that felt very much like my confirmation, 
all of a sudden, I saw. All of a sudden, I understood. This is not something we do because it's comforting. But when we sit there at Mass, when the words of consecration, the very words of Christ are spoken, and I didn't at the time have the words to express this, but heaven and earth come together. Heaven comes down, earth is raised up. We have access to the reality that is bigger than just what we can see. And God, the creator of all the universe, the being so vast that we struggle to come up with words that are hopelessly inadequate to encompass him. But God consents to transform blood, wine and bread into his precious blood, to his precious body. And as soon as I realized this, the question was posed to me. If this is true, and you now know that it is, what are you going to do about it? And then to me, what it was even more miraculous is suddenly the words of Scripture were in my mind. I, and I have no idea how I remembered this. But the line from 1 John, if you say you love God and you hate your brother, you are a liar. Because if you hate the brother you can see, how can you say you love God whom you have never seen? And at the time, I was fighting with my brother. We were having, we'd always been best friends. He's two years younger than me. We grew up not needing other people, just each other. And we were barely speaking. And how could I say that I loved God? And I knew that I did with this incredible gift that he was offering. How could I love him if I didn't love my brother? And it cut me to the heart. And from that day to this, I'm, I've been unable not to respond. I didn't know that you loved me like you. I didn't know that you cared like you do. I feel like you do. What would you say? For people that you know were in your place like or maybe they're they're going to church you know they're doing it because it's the right thing to do maybe they've had maybe an encounter experience on some level but what would you say if you know you before that moment 
um, like during mass and the consecration that you like your powerful moment, what would you say to you or someone going through something similar at that time? You know that there's something missing. You know that there's something not right in your life. And I don't know what it is, and that's not my business unless you want to share it. But I would ask you to consider the definition of insanity, which I think is generally attributed to uh, Scott Fitzgerald, that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting a different result. So, instead of just going through the motions, and, you know, in, in the name of all the totally, if that's all you've got, just keep going through the motions. I firmly believe in faking it until you make it. Mm-hmm. But, consider opening yourself up to God. He's not an impersonal force. He didn't come to earth by accident. You are not sitting there in that church by accident. He has touched your heart enough that you are there, that you know there is something that you need there. And even though it goes against every instinct you have, invite him in. Invite him to touch you with fire. Invite him to change your life, to show you why he puts you where you are. But, and I must caution you, be very careful when you pray to God because he will give you exactly what you ask for. So if you ask him to change you, be prepared. Because you will encounter things that you've never seen before. You will know yourself as you've never known yourself before. But you know that you can't keep doing the same thing you've always done. I invite you just to try truly being open to whatever he wants to show you on that given day. I walk around with an idiot smile on my face all the time. I walk around with a, son, with a song in my heart. I used to be a miserable bastard. And because I was, it was my mission to spread that misery as far and as wide as I could. But I've had to encounter a precious truth. There are only two options. You either build up everyone you encounter or you tear them down. And everyone you encounter either builds you up or tears you down. And now I spend every day that I can desperately trying to build up others, desperately begging that they will build me up. Yes, it is absolutely worth it. I have never known a sense of purpose, 
a sense of satisfaction, as I know now. For most of my life, there was a profound sense of disconnect from other people, disconnect from myself. It is in encountering others, in encountering ourselves, in encountering the very personal God who made you, that you will finally feel right. And that, I mean, what, what could be more worthwhile? So yes, whatever it is God is asking you to do, it is worth it. Thank you so much, Mike. Like, Oh my goodness, what a privilege it was just to listen to your your story. I was just sitting back here and it was just so like affirming like to me to be able to just listen. I'm like, this guy's got it. So thank you so much. Hey, I got to hear that theme music, Taylor, so I should be the one thanking you. <laughs> That's what really matters here. like to hear more stories like this or weird creative pieces on faith that are actually you know relevant to your life go figure every other week subscribe on whatever app or future tech website thing you're using also if you want to listen to these podcasts these new creations as soon as we concoct them in the lab click on the mailchimp link below to join our fancy email list special thank you to our patreon supporters danny boy and carol who contribute financially to make this podcast possible also, um, kind of sad, but an update on Jacob. So Jacob was my queer friend who was on the last episode of the My Story podcast. Jacob actually lost his job. Like, his boss must have listened to it, and for what he said, he actually got he got fired from his job, which is, that's just terrible. But, you know, people take these podcasts seriously because people are opening up. So please pray for Jacob. Pretty sure Jacob's found a job since then, but does, prayers aren't, you know, going to hurt. Finally, we're launching the first ever Millennial Missions Men's Household next fall right here in Denver and are looking for awesome, faithful men who are willing to do something crazy. We're going to start this new missional community for young adults like that's kind of attached to a parish. So if you're interested in doing something with that, contact me at taylor at millennialmission.org if you're interested in applying. That's it. Enjoy the beats. Thanks for listening.